for a second when he was like, where's your mom? And she walked up and he was like, Anaconda. I, for a second, I genuinely was like, is that her name? <laughs> like first, the way he said it at first, he was like, Anaconda. And I thought she was going to be like, yeah? Yes, dear. What? Like... <laughs> Hello and welcome to Hour the Hundred podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 25-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like rooting anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And if I had an anomaly stone and I got to pick seven places that it would go, I would choose, first of all, here, my house, so I can always get home. And then I would choose my... Um, like, uh, my hometown, Red Deer, where my parents and family live, so I would definitely choose that as my second place. And then my next place, I would want Disney World, preferably, like, inside Disney World, Mm -hmm. so that I can just, like, go. (laughs) I would go Magic Kingdom, inside Mm -hmm. Magic Kingdom. And then I would probably choose also California, so there's, like, Disneyland and, like, a lot of other things that happen in California, and I could always go to, like, a concert if it was happening in California or something. And then the other three ones that I would choose, um, probably, like, London or somewhere in Europe, and then I would want to choose, like, Australia, and then, like, somewhere else that, like, if I ever needed to travel somewhere, and, like, maybe, like, you know, it would be easier if I went to those places first. So, for example, if I, like, had to fly to Scotland, it's, like, great, I can just anomaly stone to England, Mm -hmm. and then just do a quick hop over the pond to get to Scotland or whatever, (laughs) you know? So, yeah, and then maybe the last one would be, like, China or something. Like, China is kind of in the epicenter of, like, all of those places, too. So if I ever need to go somewhere around there, then I could do that. I don't know. That's what I'm (laughs) thinking. Uh, That's my answer. Good. Good. And my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 27-year-old marketing coordinator and television critic. I'm a senior writer and the social media specialist at Telltale TV. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's, where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. Um, I chose very similar points, mm-hmm. uh, to you. I also chose our house. Yeah. Because. You gotta get I, back. I gotta get back. Yeah. I like, I like it here. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. <laughs> and this is where all my stuff is. <laughs> it is where all my stuff is. I also chose Disney because Duh. it's the happiest place on Arnhart. Like, yeah. I, I'm gonna go to Disney. And this is definitely if, like, we, if, if, like, only one of us had the Anomaly Stone, because it would be kind of ridiculous if I had an Anomaly <laughs> Stone to go to Disney, to Disney. And you also had an Anomaly Stone to get to Disney? Like, we only really <laughs> need one. Uh, and then I also chose um, a few places that I would, like, visit more often if I could teleport. So I chose D.C., where I lived for a couple years and loved it, and I still have friends there. Um, I chose my, where my mom is at any given point in time. I would teleport directly to my mom. Mm-hmm. And also my sister and, like, my family and stuff. I picked Edmonton, too, just for Brittany, because she's not here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Maui, because, duh. Yeah. And then I also picked London, mm-hmm. uh, just because I've never been, and um, it would be a good good entryway into, you know, yeah. Europe. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Today we have words to say about episode 708 of The 100, Anaconda. So, <laughs> all episode we were like, I don't know what Anaconda means. Turned out it's a code word, <laughs> but it's not revealed at all why that code word was, like, chosen, so it seems like they were kind of like, what would be a cool word? That one? Great. You right. know? I feel like there's a... It's probably, like, a writer's room joke right. that they made that, like, no one else gets. Mm-hmm. Like, like naming a character LaCroix in season three, but yeah. I, I don't know what the... I don't know the punchline, so... Yeah. Like, they could explain it for the rest of the season, but due to it having been said, like, literally tw- 
twice or or three times in the entire episode and then not talked about again. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like it's important. No. Um, I understand why the episode was called that. I'm just not sure why the why the why Anaconda was chosen really. Yeah. So um, before we do, we get into the episode. Um, I've got some thoughts from listeners. So um, first of all, from SoundCloud, we got two. Um, cool comments from Subatomic Fox, and they said, Those scriptures on a loop felt like getting trapped in a tunnel when the train breaks down and you just keep hearing them say it'll be back up and running soon. It almost serves the opposite of what it should be its function. It's supposed to reassure you that things will be alright, but the very fact of repeatedly reminding people that something is wrong means they can never stop being on alert. Yeah. That's such a good point. I love that. Yeah, it kind of also, like, reminds me when you're on, like, Spaceship Earth or whatever, and you just (laughs) sit on Spaceship Earth, and then they're just like... Oh, hello! Um, or, like, on the Haunted Mansion, when they're just like, Oh, something spooky is happening! And I'm like, mm, this doesn't feel as spooky as the ride was supposed to be. But right. Okay. Um, they also said, I wonder if Amori and her brother were twins, or if he wasn't her actual brother, but was someone cast out when she was, and so they became one another's family. Because it seems like they would be cast out as soon as the mutation was discovered, but unless they were twins, one of them would have been cast out at least nine months before the other. So I That's think true. I think that they definitely are twins because a lot of the grounder names. Oh really? Are, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the grounder names uh, of like places and sometimes people are taken from like different places in just like Polis and Polaris. Like we all know this. Um, but Emory and Otan's names were taken from the Memorial Botanical Gardens. Oh. So they definitely are siblings. Okay. I don't think that was said in canon, but I'm pretty sure that was said by somebody that that's where they got their names. Um, so I agree. I think that they must be twins, which makes me even, like, more sad about the fact that she just, like, lost him and... Yeah. Like, she doesn't even talk about him anymore. I mean, like, I wish I was surprised, but, like, nobody talks about anybody who's dead anymore on this show. Mm -hmm. So, like, eh. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that, I think that I agree and that it wouldn't really make sense if they were brother and sister because one of them would probably have gone off yonder in the nine months that they, you know, had the other baby. Um, and it would be, have been hard for them to come together. So it makes sense to me that they would be twins. We also got a few tweets from our friend Kat, who is at Kat M squared. And she was listening to the last podcast with her fiance, Sofak. Um, and she said that he listened to this with her on early release and said that the queen's gambit is supposed to be about putting constant pressure on your opponent and using symmetrical moves with your pawns to sacrifice those to gain space for an early advantage with a fast attack. He said the best defense is called the Indian defense, which is when you move your knights instead of your pawns to change how you control the center of the board. He doesn't have any official chess qualifications, but he was the reigning champion when we were in college, so I mostly trust his reference on this one. I don't know if the 100 writers will capitalize on this, but it's fun to theorize. Yeah. I'm glad somebody who knows more about chess than us (laughs) had thoughts on this. Um, I had one more, um, tweet, but it is about this episode, and I don't want to spoil anybody before, <laughs> before, <laughs> before we, we get given the, um, the whole, um, summary. Summary. So, yeah. And we also got a voicemail from our friend Katie, who has been sending us in things regularly, and we appreciate that. She's a delight. Um, and she had some thoughts about, um, the difference between a terrorist and a freedom fighter, and so we'll be playing that right now. The difference between a terrorist and a freedom fighter is a matter of perspective. Whose side are you on? If you're on the side of the existing ruling class or government, then anyone fighting to dismantle the structure is a terrorist. 
If you support overthrowing a ruling party because you feel it's oppressive, tyrannical, or any number of reasons, really, then those who fight against the government are freedom fighters. Take the world of Star Wars, for example. Or keep it to the original trilogy because it's going to be easier. If you were a member of the Empire and support that government, then the rebels were terrorists. Luke blowing up the Death Star was a terrorist act. If you were against the Empire and supported the Rebellion, you would consider them freedom fighters. Personally, I sort of experienced both worlds this way growing up in the, in the U.S. in the 1970s and 80s during the Cold War, hearing how communism and communist, communist countries were evil and vile. The communist people hated everything the U.S. stood for. But my father was born in Cuba, and I learned from his side of the family how they saw the U.S. from their perspective as a bully and interested in nothing but amassing power and crushing anything it deems not in their interests. Which seems not a lot has changed over the years. But who was right? Basically, it all depends on your point of view. Still very much enjoying the podcast, and I look forward to each and every single one. Thank you. I think she makes some great points and, like, just really, like, lays out, like, what each, that, that, how important perspective is. Yeah, and I think that's even clear in this episode, um, oh, 708, sure. is when we get all that stuff about Tree Crew and them, and the government calling them an extremist group, mm-hmm. and, you know, Lucy and Callie talking about how they're the ones who are extreme and... Exactly. Meanwhile, the world is literally about to burn. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, also very relevant to the world right now. Mm-hmm. So, and like even in the in the bunker, like it's relevant with like what the struggle between Callie and her dad. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. you're right. Perspective is like the main thing, really. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of this show, and like a lot of this show really focuses on like everybody believing that their side is right, mm-hmm. and who's actually right. Right. There are no good guys. Mm-hmm. Because everybody's a good guy to themselves. Yeah. I guess, right? Mm-hmm. So thank you to Katie for sending in a voicemail on that. Um, if you guys want to send in your thoughts on anything that we say this episode or later episodes, you can send us a, an email or a voicemail at gmail.com And also our Twitter DMs and Instagram DMs are open. And you can use hashtag the 100AF. Um, so that, like, that's the hashtag that I look at when, we, when I go looking for thoughts from listeners so yeah yeah cool so we are covering this episode chronologically and because we have some people who are not watching the show and are just listening to the podcast we're just doing like our full summary right now so that we can talk about things that happen later in the episode um at the beginning if we want to Mm -hmm. um so sam wrote the summary yes but i think robin is going to read it because she is better at those things uh I went to school for cold reads. <laughs> a cold read, if you're unaware, because I just said some words. Mm-hmm. Um, a cold read is when you read something for the first time having not read it before. Yeah. Out loud. Yeah. All right, this is Sam's Anaconda summary. <laughs> oh, dear. We open with everyone still reeling from the news that Bellamy is dead. Clark and Raven in particular are devastated while the others hold guard. Clark promises Raven that they'll do this for him. They'll save the others because they are family. Then Cadigan comes in alone while his people wait outside. Clark recognizes him, so he recognizes her as Clark. They put the pieces together at the same time as he figures out she was on Nakara and she and Nyla discuss how he created the bunker in Trig. Plot twist, he's completely fluent because his daughter made up the language. He says that Second Dawn wasn't a cult but a collective of great minds. He asks if his daughter is in the key. The flame is the key, not Clark. Bill thinks that Callie, his daughter, is in Clark's head because of the flame. He comes in close and says her name. Then we flash back to the past. 
Callie and her gal pal, Lucy, <laughs> are in her room watching the news and tending to her wounds after participating in an environmental protest as part of the activist group Tree Crew. The Wallace administration start a riot with the group relying on violence to break up peaceful protesters. From the news, we also learned there was a virus outbreak, overpopulation, global warming, and internment camps where the 11 billionth child was born. Allie did say there were too many people. We learned that Callie's mom is a doctor and her dad, Cadigan, taught her to fight. Callie and Lucy are close, to say the least. <laughs> they continue watching the news and we learn that Becca is in space where we last saw her in season 3 before the bombs fell. Callie's mom, Grace, comes in and tells her that her dad is on the hollow. They are estranged, but they still talk about their kids, Callie and Reese. Both parents are still trying to convince Callie to go to MIT instead of dropping out to protest with Tree Crew. Her brother is there first and they joke about sparring sessions. Reese asks why Callie doesn't want to go to college and Callie says she wants no part in fascist regi regimes and then Bill shows up and asks, what's wrong with fascism? <laughs> you know, casual. Then they proceed to argue in a way that is all too familiar for outspoken young women raised by controlling fathers who project their success and beliefs onto their children. <laughs> Bill says he raised Callie to to be smarter than this, and Callie says he raised her to think think like him, and he's just mad she doesn't anymore. Mid-conversation, Bill gets news. He says their weird safe word, anaconda, which supposedly <laughs> means the world is literally ending as we speak. Why they picked anaconda, we will truly never know. He tells them he sent a chopper, and he hopes they'll both get on it. Grace gets the doomsday bags. What if What if they didn't? What, right, what if the helicopter like, guy no, is like, guess you. I'll die here. Like, the helicopter guy is like, the helicopter like, guy. how long am I supposed to wait? <laughs> the helicopter guy is like, my orders were, stay here until they get on the helicopter. So great. And like, what if, does he get into the bunker? Like, I, does helicopter I, man get a place? I don't know. <laughs> like, Bill is just like, thanks for your work, Jim. Bye. <laughs> Closes door on him. Okay. Grace gets the doomsday bags and they put on their second dawn keys. She asks about Lucy, but her mom says she's not in Second Dawn. Callie argues that they aren't either because they left. Callie doesn't believe this is happening, but her mother does. Grace knocks Lucy out so that she'll be asleep when the bombs fall. Honestly, like, obviously it's terrible because, like, now your friend's going to die, but, right. like, if I had to like, go, if I had to go, I'd prefer that as well. Yep. Grace says she won't go back without Callie, but if they don't go, they will die. The two of them leave on the chopper just in time to watch the first bombs hit their city. The world is on fire. How about yours? <laughs> as we see Callie and Grace arrive at the Second Dawn bunker. Reese is welcoming level 13 members and trying to keep the peace. A musician whose name is August is demanding that they let his girlfriend in even though she isn't level 13. He has to be sedated by Tristan. So this is what's confusing also. So I wrote level 13 when I was doing this because I feel, I thought in season four, the people who made it to this bunker mm -hmm. were secret level 13. Yeah. Because I thought when we found the bunker that like Bellamy, Jaha, and Clark found full of dead people that wasn't sealed. Mm -hmm. um, that was supposed to be level 12 people. Right. And level 13 people were supposed to be allowed in the bunker that we go into. Exactly. So that was confusing because episode, they are definitely saying level 12 the entire time. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So sorry for anyone who's confused. So were we. Yeah. An alarm goes off and they close the hatch as the fire rolls in. All of this has happened before and all of it will happen again. Callie says, you gone play stay Odon to everyone outside. Just in case you forgot, she made up the language. <laughs> Next, we find Cadigan safe in the depths of the bunker, studying the anomaly stone that he stole 10 years ago from Machu Picchu, because of course he did. He thinks he's finally figured out the code. Callie says, who the hell cares, because 11 billion people are outside dying while they are alive. Bill continues being the worst dad ever, telling Callie she was always mean when she got scared. I have thoughts on that later. <laughs> and in case you forgot her mom is a doctor, she tells the family that Bill does care, he's just a narcissist with sociopathic tendencies. Cadigan puts in the code that was on the wall in the temple where he stole the stone, as if that wasn't something he would have thought to try already. <laughs> In 10 years. Right. With the last two symbols, he expects something neat to happen, and it doesn't. They discuss how to lead the people they've saved. 
Reese thinks they'll be grateful that they're alive. Callie says they just lost everything and they have a right to be upset. Grace says they all have to set an example if they want to get out of this alive. They go over resources and decide that since 8% didn't make it inside, now they have a nice buffer. Callie bounces because she wants to open the door. When she gets there, our friend August had the same idea and he's already knocked out Tristan. She's with him, but she's also smarter than him, so she tells him the better version of his plan. They bond because they were both a part of Tree Crew. Tristan wakes up and says he will shoot August if they don't get out. They hear someone knocking at the door and August thinks it's his girlfriend. Reese comes in and says whoever's outside isn't level 12 or they'd have a key. Very much like Clark and Bellamy in season 4, Callie and Reese argue over whether to open the door. Reese is against it because he's determined to remain in his dad's good favor, no matter what is humane or not. Callie wants to open the door, and though she could get away with it as her dad's favorite child, she can't do it on her own. They both believe they're doing the right thing. Boy, that sounds familiar. Two years later, Tristan, Callie, Reese, and some other people are on a ground team in hazmat suits. They judge Callie for wasting time getting items from the mall for people who have lost their minds in the bunker. Reese says it's their last trip topside for a while when they see someone coming down from the sky. We know it's Becca. They watch her emerge and breathe the radiated air with no problem. They bring her in. Callie is a big fangirl and Becca wants to get right to injecting people with night blood so they can survive on the ground. Cadigan has locked down the bunker so that no one knows she's here because we all know she's a threat to his power. On the way in, Tristan falls and starts seizing from radiation poisoning. Reese runs for a medic. Becca gives Tristan nightblood, and Callie tells her not to tell her father she can do that. When they open Cadigan's office, Becca can hear the anomaly stone. She can hear the space fall. <laughs> Becca says it's music as mathematics. She presses the infinity symbol because of course that's the one that does it. Uh, the sound stops and the stone comes to life, breaking free of its confines and turning on the anomaly. Becca introduces herself to Cadigan. He says she can call him Bill. <laughs> we have to go see Bill! Bill is shook because he tried millions of combinations. Like, the name Bill is just so right. funny that, like, he's, like, this huge guy and he's, like, a big deal and he's just, like, call me Bill and we're, like, okay. <laughs> Bill is shook because, like, William would be so much, like, more, right. like, regal, but, okay. Maybe the reason why he, like, wants to go by Bill is because, like, it's more personable he and he's, like, trying to... think that he's, like, yeah. personable, but he's really, like, worship me. Worship me. Bill is shook because he tried millions of combinations. She says she's not surprised because he had no instruction manual and the amount of symbols make the amount of combinations infinite. Grace wants to ask about Becca's blood, but Bill says no, we're still on the space ball thing. Seven symbols, seven points. They know that this is a bridge to another world because you need seven points to chart a path through space. With Becca, they discuss whether it is even possible to pass through the anomaly or if they can survive the planet on the other side of it. They decide to do the science. Becca says that that could take years, though, and she could turn all the people in the bunker to nightbloods right now so that no one has to live in the bunker anymore. Bill is super not into the idea because he's a fascist and he really is into being worshipped. Callie says that the flock is dying. There have been 20 suicides. Everyone agrees with Cadigan that the answer is to go through the anomaly, not trying to rebuild Earth. Callie visits Tristan in the hospital and he's completely cured. Becca's nightblood works. Callie comes back to the office where Becca is studying the stone. She turned off the portal. They discuss Bill being a really bad leader. The two of them bond and Callie wants to save everyone with the serum while Becca distracts Cadigan with the space ball. Callie figured out that Becca has an AI in her head via context clues. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> Becca tells her that the AI is her penance, but why, but why is a story for another time. We know it's because she created Allie and accidentally ended the world. She tells Callie about this AI and how she calls it the flame, which is a reference to Prometheus, because remember Bellamy read that one to Octavia, so it's important now. Callie knows that Becca isn't satisfied with just turning the stone on and off. Becca realizes that seven of the symbols have no sound and it's the key to something. She presses them and the stone makes everything dark and turns bright white like a ball of light. Becca touches it and is taken inside. The rest of the Cadigan family arrives and sees it lit up before the light turns off and spits Becca back out on her knees, either in prayer or begging for the life of humanity. She says they aren't ready and Cadigan says he absolutely is and to turn it back on. She says she saw Judgment Day. He says it came and went and they're still here. She says that that wasn't Judgment Day. None of them are ready for this, especially not him. He throws her in the box until she changes her mind. Ooh, the skybox. Ooh. Ooh. I didn't even put that together until just now. Aha. Uh -huh. 
Callie lies and says she didn't see anything. Callie wants him to rebuild this world, but Cadigan is determined to be the savior and not let Becca steal any of his power. Five days later, Callie gets in and knocks Tristan out again. Reese knows about the flame. Becca assumes they're going to kill her, but Callie says she's going to get her out of here. She says they have half the kids and their parents on their side now. Becca wants to make sure that Callie gets the flame away from her father, so she tells her about the back door, goodbye for now, in Latin. Raise your hand if you're getting these retcons confused too. She told her how to take it out, but not how to turn it on. Becca tells her that you have to have the blood to use it, but also needs to be in people with the right minds. It amplifies what is already there so someone evil could wield it with destruction, which of course is about... They take Becca out and burn her at the stake. Grace tries to keep her kids from killing each other. It's Disciples versus Tree Crew. Callie stops the fighting by challenging her brother to a sparring match for the flame. The Conclave, anyone? She shoots him because she's not playing games. She turns him into a nightblood and wants to save her mother too. Her mom thinks there isn't enough of them to survive on the ground, but Callie says they have enough for 2,000 doses, and if there are survivors, she will find them. Grace doesn't take the alteration. Instead, she uses the little time they have left to hold off Bill while Grace and the rest of Tree Crew escape. Callie sees her mom save her, and they share one last look as Callie escapes with her friends. Reese says he can get the flame bag because they gave him the treatment. Tristan says he'll come with. Grace says they had to let her go, and Bill shoves her into the airlock with no nightblood. Reese watches her put on a radiation suit. Callie marches onward with Tree Crew in search of survivors as Cadigan turns on the anomaly and takes his disciples through it. Back in the present, Clark bluffs in front of Cadigan, implying that the flame is still in her head. She doesn't want to cooperate because they killed Bellamy. Maybe. <laughs> she demands to see the rest of her friends. Gabriel opens the door and reveals that Echo, Octavia, and Dioza are disciples now. Uh, okay. So that's, <laughs> so that's, so the, that's episode. the episode. Um, now I feel like uh, we can finally um, talk about, about it. So now we're going to go into my thoughts. Um, Sam was very kind to do the summary for me because I knew that if I had to do also the summary, this was going to take me 35 years and, uh, you know. <laughs> and we don't have 35 years. Exactly. So first of all, we don't have a cold open. We go straight to the credits, which yep. is maybe the first time this has ever happened. Yeah. I mean, I I can't think of an episode mm-hmm. where it's happened before, so. Maybe we're wrong. Let us know if we are. I think it's nice that Raven and Clark have a really nice moment for Bellamy, like, just to, like, decompress after learning that information. Yeah, I like that they let, like, not just Clark have a reaction. Mm-hmm. Like, Raven, arguably, in that room has the second biggest connection to Bellamy, mm-hmm. if not bigger than Clark, because they lived together for five years. Yeah, I would agree. Um, So I really appreciate that they let her also have like that emotional moment you kind of get a moment of of miller also being upset and i kind of wish like i feel that it would be really nice to see miller like more upset because miller constantly has walls up and he's always so like tough and and rough and everything that it would have been really compelling and meaningful to see like miller kind of break down about that as well because obviously he had a relationship with bellamy so that would have been nice i thought but yeah. yeah. Um, they talk about how it's going to be for their family. Um, how big is your family? Just wondering. Like, who all is included in our right. family? Like, is Dioza also your family? Because if, if Clark like, was in Space Crew and, like, also, and like talking to somebody else who was in Space Crew, then I'd be like, of course yeah. you guys are a family. There were seven of you up there and you were there for five years. Yes, 100%. And then, like, you've got Hope, whose family is Octavia and Dioza, and then also Gabriel and Echo. So, like, that mm-hmm. makes sense because they spent so much time together. But now I'm just like, I'm like, who... Is all part of this family, though. Right. Because, like, if you're going at it from a perspective of, like, the hundred is a family, mm-hmm. then they're only here for Octavia. Yeah. So, but she said, she's like, we're here for Echo, we're here for, like, yeah. Dioza. And I'm like, how well do you know them? Yeah. Because you spent, like, two minutes with them. <laughs> Not to... I mean, um, like, Echo is Raven's family now. Yes, because yeah. they spend time together in space, but I don't know. Yeah. Not that, um... 
Not to, like, bring down that really lovely moment. I just had a question about it, that's all. Yeah. So then Bill Cadigan comes in and he's like, Hi, everyone calls me the shepherd, but you can call me Bill. Which is, like, a huge theme throughout the entire, like, last episode. And then this one he says it, like, three or four times as well. And I'm just like, I'm not really sure what the, like, twist of this is. Like, why he keeps saying that. Like, is it just funny? Like, why is he so insistent upon being called Bill? Like, I don't know. Um, And I really love the moment where, you know, all the other disciples see him and it's like, everyone's like, oh my God, like, like, when's the last time he was woken up? Because obviously Anders was there at some point, Mm -hmm. but like, I don't know if anybody has ever even seen him before and and maybe didn't even expect to see him in their lifetime. I don't know. Yeah. So Anders (laughs) gets locked out and is like, hey, I'm the first disciple. Why does Gabriel get to be in there and not me? (laughs) So Cadigan thinks that Clark remembers him because Callie was in her head slash is in her head, but it's because of the video that she saw that Jaha showed them. So that's why she recognizes him. However, like that was like many, many years ago. So like I'm surprised that she like recognizes him from looking at his face. Right. Because she's not on Twitter and she doesn't see everybody's Cadigan's theories. Exactly. So like she saw that video one time, Mm -hmm. like literally... For her over seven years ago, maybe. Another thing that kind of bothered me about this, and ultimately I really enjoyed this episode, um, but something that really bothered me about this was that um, all season, because we haven't seen Clark hardly at all, all season they've been saying, well, Clark is the key. Like, Clark is still really, really important. Um, We just aren't seeing her that much. And, you know, she's still important, though. She's the main character. She's the key. She is the key. Something about Clark Mm -hmm. makes her more special than everybody else. And she's the key to unlock this whole mystery. And then we get this, and it turns out that Clark isn't even the key. Yeah. First of all, the flame is the key. And Clark doesn't even have the flame. Yeah. It's, it's... So that was kind of disappointing, as I was just like, so Clark isn't the key? I would have been much more interested if it was literally something like about Clark. Yeah. Like this kind of worked out with a theory that I had, which is that like Clark as a person wasn't like a huge, like it wasn't like some woman named Clark Griffin will come. It was like someone in particular has a thing. And we learned from Octavia's memories that that person is, is that. Right. And Octavia was there at the end of season three. So that makes sense. My thing is just that, like, would Octavia not know that like Octavia, that was taken out of her? Like, she was also there when it was taken out of her. Yeah, she was there when it was taken out, and she was there when it was, like, put into Maddie, wasn't she? Know- she? Yeah, she knows, all, like, almost certainly, at least even if she wasn't, like, there when it happened, she knows that Maddie knows at that some point- Ma- Or was in Maddie, yeah. Yeah, was inside Maddie, so- like, because Levitt didn't get that far. Like, he only got till the end of season three. Like, maybe that's the reason why he only got till the end of season three. <laughs> but but he got... But wait! So I was like, oh, I see what they did there. Yes, he got to the end of season three, which is why he still thinks it's inside Clark. But he got to the point in which she killed Pike. Right. And after she... And when so she like, killed Pike... Clark had taken it out. Clark had taken it out So do they then. just think, like, Clark has it in her pocket all this time? Because, like, I mean, she would have. Yeah. But what... So, okay. So did Cadigan learn his daughter's made-up language? Because it seems like no one else is taught is saying it. It seems like something that gets widespread, like, years later in, like, myth- the mythology of the Grounders and everything. It's weird to me that, like, he would have it memorized. I I don't think it's weird. Okay. Because, like, when you're, like, she was only 10, right? Sure. So, like, if she made up the language when she's 10, like, she... I feel like he would have learned it if he was, like, invested in her. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it seems like a thing that Cause, like, they a did dad that... that loves you would do. Right. 
Because, like, they did that on Star Trek mm. because Will and Deanna's kids had a made-up language and yeah. they understood it. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's far off. Yeah, I think he would understand it. They just, But like, I do think it's a big retcon to have it be like, this is a made-up language from, like, one of the people who survived the first apocalypse instead of, like, this is a language that evolved to evade, like, capture from Mount Weather. Right. Which is what we've been told before. Right, right, right. So he's like, oh, you guys were on the car. That makes sense as to why you guys freaking stink. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, guy. Smell like alien butt. So he's like, um, we're not a cult. And I'm like, oh, okay, buddy. Sounds like something a cult leader would say. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Callie's language survived. And he, so he's like, oh, her language, her language survived, which means that she must be in the key. So before now... He didn't know that Callie was inside the key, ever. So now I'm thinking, wait, maybe she was I don't think she was. Because I saw somebody, like, live tweeting the episode, and they said that they think that Callie was the first flame keeper. Mm-hmm. And not, not a commander herself. Right. Some of my notes in here are, like, in regards to Callie having been the first commander after Becca. Right. But now I'm like, they called her Becca Promheta. But, like, that's something we won't get to know unless yeah. the series gets picked up. Like, they leave Right it now, so... it doesn't seem like it's going to. Yeah. My thing is just, like, they call her Becca Promheta, and we don't even get the moment of her being, like... We don't even see her being a commander, like, no, at, at all. all. Period. So, like, it, is it mythology that, like, Callie teaches to people that Becca was the first commander? She because, must... like, there, she spends no time as a leader or, like, building grounder society with Callie because she immediately dies. And we had this really, like, dope reveal when we saw that it said Commander on her Mm -hmm. jacket, and it's because it was, like, the other guy who was up there, it was, like, Cole or something? McAdams. Cole Cole McAdams? Okay, I was like, I got Cole, you got McAdams, I think we're there. So, yeah, and he was the Commander, so she put on his outfit, right? Right. And she came down, and it said Commander, but, like... Then, in this episode, we see her immediately take that off. Right. So, like, did Callie even see that it that it said the word commander? And, like, that's why commander is the, is the word now? Because that's what it was implied before. Right. It, it kind of undoes a lot of, like, important stuff that we had learned before. Yeah. In order to, like, tell a different story. And it, it kind of bums me out because, like, Becca is a really cool character. Mm-hmm. And, like, this ending for her is kind of bad it's sad like she lands on earth and then is dead a week later we like we it was implied that she was commander for like quite a long time as like the first commander why else Mm -hmm. are why else do we worship her so much right it's in grounder culture because like it was callie worshipped her because she liked her so much i guess like before you would have assumed that like becca came down and like saved a bunch of people on earth and then like then found and like had started grounder society already and then found Cadigan in the bunker and like they were these this outsider group of people that were like hi you can come be like us and then he would have been more threatened but it was okay because like that would have made more sense to me because like then she like starts grounder culture Mm -hmm. and like has a whole group of people but and all of these people have nightblood so nightblood trickles down yeah i don't know okay anyway so i have really bad news about the key which is not here so now that i'm thinking i thought like oh callie's the key which but but the reason why he needs the key is not because it is callie it's because it can hear like which things to press on the anomaly stone because i think that the seven symbols that they're looking for is the final code that the code breaking team is trying to do it's the one that like takes us to like the light 
Yes. The, like, light place, because all of the other anomalies that we've had have been green, and the one that Becca goes into is, like, a bright light. Bright and white light. And it's not, like, a wormhole. It's, like, the ball itself. And that's where we're trying to go. So, yeah. Assuming. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's where, where Cadigan's trying to go. Yes. Calliope Cadigan is a Riverdale last name. Yes, it is. Riverdale is constantly doing alliterative names, and this one is ridiculous. <laughs> Um, Callie, Tristan, and Reese are all names of characters that we've already had. So Callie was in the pilot, and Reese was in, um, Twilight's Last Gleaming. Yes. Right? And Tristan was a grounder character who was with, um, Anya. Yes. And then August I couldn't really find, but uh, I thought of Gustus. Mm, yes. That makes sense. Yeah, I don't know, but either way, it's interesting that all of these are character names that we've already had. I don't know if this has anything to do with anything, and also I don't think that it's going to be answered unless we get the prequel, which it doesn't seem like we are. Yeah, it was very- the the character names were names we already had, and then Callie, August, and Grace are eerily familiar to me Mm. from the pilot to Clark- Bellamy and Abby. Right. Because, like, your main protagonist is a is a girl who, like, is... And I'm just... And her mom is a doctor. And then there's this nice boy who is like, we should do things this way. And, and a brother and like, sister dynamic. Yep. It's just... It seems very similar. Like, a lot of the same thing over again. And a lot of... The, I was thinking earlier about when we were watching last night and you were pointing out how when we find... When we learn Grace is a doctor about it, it's very much told to us like the whole time like we're repeatedly told yes this person is a doctor in the oh that was probably one of my least favorite things about the episode was just the fact that they kept like drilling grace saying medical things into my head and like i was i was thinking i was comparing this episode to the original pilot and like in my head and just thinking about it and like the first time that we learn that Abby is a doctor is she's doing surgery on Jaha. Yeah, it's a it's a show don't tell. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, that pilot might have been better than this one. I mean, <laughs> maybe. So going into, finally actually going into the thing, <laughs> we talk about the Wallace administration. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk about what you were, this is on the, the news. Uh, so in the background, while Callie and Lucy are like patching up their wounds from the protest or whatever, the news is talking about the Wallace administration, like fighting back against these protesters and stuff. And obviously we know the name Wallace from Mount Weather in season two. Dante and Cage Wallace. And so I'm assuming that the Wallace family was president or a member of the Wallace family was president at the time of the bomb's falling and Mount Weather is supposed to be a bunker for like Washington elite basically mm-hmm. and like to keep the government intact. So I'm assuming and I think we're meant to assume that the Wallace family was in charge at the time and then just stayed in power the entire time in Mount Weather. Which is also shown due to like, you know, in Grounders they call them commanders, but and up on the arc they call them chancellors, but in Mount Weather they called them president. Yep. So there you go. And um, I think that is also made clear in a, like later in the beginning scene um, when I, when we get there. But um, Mm -hmm. so then they say that tree crew is an extremist environmentalist group and that riot police was ordered on them. It's like really upsetting how, how eerily similar to like things that are happening in our lives Mm -hmm. this is and um and then in the trailer next episode and they're all wearing like the rebreathers which look like masks and i'm like i'm uncomfortable right so um 
I guess Lucy got hurt in the riot and she knows medical because her mom is a doctor. Yeah. Um, are they, they, they give off girlfriend vibes. Like later she oh, says sure. my best friend, but mm, there's, there's just a lot of like, there's some lingering stares yeah. and like made you a badass though. Right. Yeah. So anyway, she says, oh, hey, I don't want to be scarred for life. That's what Lucy says. Mm-hmm. I have bad news. If you are, your life is not very much long. Yeah. So, sorry. So. Then they also talk about the Russian Ankovirus outbreak. Yeah. Was this, like, it feel, I, was this part added? I feel, I feel like it wasn't. I think that, like, the writers were like, the writers were like, we need the world to be at enough point of, like, chaos and, like, devastation that Allie thinks the only way to fix it is to kill half the population. Right. And so they were like, okay, let's just name every single problem that is literally, like, facing our own society right now and amplify it by a thousand. Right. So. Then we get a shout out to Mr. Wiggles, who is a stuffed sloth, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he looks like a sloth. They see the 11 billionth child was born, so yeah, too many people. So 11 billion, like, that kind of does feel like too many people, but not in a let's murder everybody way. They also mention that it's, like, temperatures are reaching, like, 110 degrees, like, mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah, so that's also global warming. warming. Then they say the Wayne County internment camp. Yeah. Have we heard Wayne? I don't think so. Because we've been giving, getting, they've been giving us these names that we've heard, like, peppered throughout, but I Let don't- Let me look in- that might, is that Wayne County, so it's a place. Yeah. But I'm, like, wondering, like, where they are. Um, They also say that it is the one-year anniversary of the last time anyone saw Becca, and that she's the owner of the television network that they're talking on, and she's rumored to be on Polaris. Callie says that everybody wants to believe that their leaders are telling the truth. Lucy turns down the volume, and we also see, like, a whole bunch of fires on the TV, too. So, like, just everything, really. Then her mom tries to come in, and they're smoking pot on a framed photo of her and her dad. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's a good show don't tell on how she feels about her exactly. dad. Uh, Wayne County is in several states along the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So they could have been West Virginia. They could have been in North Carolina. They could have been in like somewhere in Maryland. I think. Well, he said that he sent the helicopter and it was going to be there in five minutes. So that kind of feels like they might be close. Yeah. To well, West Polis. Virginia and North Carolina are like both pretty close to DC by air. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Maryland would make the most sense to me, but I'm not seeing like a county in Maryland specifically. Well, this for... seems this seems to be like a whole like across America like type of newscast. So right. So I don't know if Wayne County internment camp um is relevant to exactly where they are sitting. So or they're they're living. So I don't think it. I think it's okay either way. Gotcha. So she says that neither her nor her mom really talked to her father and that she's not going to change her mind about school because she dropped out of MIT to join Tree Crew. Um, then she says, save it for your patience. My mom is a doctor. <laughs> you know? And I like how now we're just stating that every doctor is every type of doctor. Yeah. Because clearly Grace knows surgery, but also knows therapy and psychoanalyzing people. And I'm like, okay, that's sure. not, that's not how doctors work. They go to school for a very long time they to have be a specialist. very specific type of doctor. Yeah. So I really, I, I like this part point of like future in which you just have like holograms in your kitchen. Yeah. Like that's kind of cool. Her, her brother calls her calamity and she calls him Greece. Mm-hmm. So 
aw. And then Reese seems really normal right here. Like at first, he's like, ha, yeah, ha, he's yeah. Like, totally chill. And then throughout the rest of the episode, I'm like, this guy sucks. He, like, I feel like there were parts where they tried to, like, humanize him a little bit. Like the part where when Becca dies, they, like, go in on his face and he's crying. But then he, but but then like, he walks in afterwards and is just like, meh. Right. That like, guy sucks. Like, I feel like they could go into more depth about him if the series got picked up, but I don't think it will be. And it's just, like, at this point, he's a bad person. Yeah, he's just a bad guy. Like, I get it that you're, like, trying to get on your dad's good side, like... But at what cost, bro? Like, I'm I'm willing to let people die and, like, genuinely, like, hurt, like, many, many people just just to have my dad's favor. And it turns out his dad leaves to go to a different freaking planet, and he's like, I'll get it back, dad. And, and then, and and then he's his like, dad's hey. like, bye. And then he bounces and we're like, gonna leave you on Earth. What if he did get it back and he comes back to the bunker and his dad's gone? Like, then right. what? Like, well, and he's like, I'm searching for the key. And it's like, well, how the heck do you think he'll find it here? Right. Like, he left all of them behind. Like, yeah. I don't think, I don't think Reese or, yeah, like, definitely Grace and Callie are, like, out yeah. there. Like, they don't make it. But, like, I don't think Reese does either. And no. I'm just like... But you really abandoned the only kid that, like, actually cared about you, huh? Like, character-wise, that's garbage. But storytelling-wise, I see what they're doing here. Sure. Because the Cadigan stuff, Cadigan going to Bardo, that's getting wrapped up this season. Mm-hmm. And all the stuff with the other three main people are From his off yonder. Those are the people who we would be that's the narrative centered around. For the pilot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, while they're on the hollow, they also bring up the basement, which comes back later, like how they used to scuffle in the basement. Mm-hmm, That's brought up yes. later. Um, and then Bill says, what's wrong with fascism? Sir? Several things, my guy. That's another thing is it's just like they set him up as a villain in season four. They set him up as a villain just constantly. Yeah. And like, he's just like a bad person. And they, what, do they, I hope they don't expect us to like Reese for being on the villain side. Like, that was one of my notes, like, when, I, when we were watching. I was like... Uh, are we supposed to root for both sides? Because, like, Callie is very obviously, like, the protagonist. And I of love the her. Like, she's great. She's so good. And, but, like, the rest of her family just, like, they they move from, like, plot to plot and, like, from planet to planet. And I'm just like, am I supposed to root for you? Because I don't. Like, even Grace, who's like, I won't, I'm gonna die here without you and... Or, like, I'll, if you don't want to go, I won't go and we'll all die together or whatever. And then yeah. she gets there and she's like, I agree with Bill. Right. And I'm like, get there. And she's like, okay, let's just, let's walk through this green space blob. And I'm just like, no. And then even at the end, they're, they're just like, they're like, Callie is constantly trying to get them to like rebuild Earth. And they're like, no, we're going to see this, this other thing. We don't want to invest in the planet we were already on. Yeah. And I'm just like, it, it reminded me of the hundred writers Mm -hmm. and how each season is like, a new story instead of like taking the time to grow the story that they told the lap the, the season before and yeah. like put the effort in there mm-hmm. and I'm like Callie is us and these bad guys are you guys <laughs> yeah so she's like I'm 18 years old and I can do whatever I want and Bill is like you can't drop out of school for the next for the latest cultural mood swing sir you are a Karen oh fully you think that everything we do is just like, you know, it's like, everybody's just like, Black Lives Matter, like, can it just be over now? Right. And I'm like, no, it's not, there's no time limit. They're like, well, it's been a month, can it be over? I'm like, it ha- it's it been going on for hundreds of years. Like, this is a problem that cannot be fixed by a month of, like, you half listening. Yeah. Like, no. No. 
So it's not just a cultural mood swing, but go off, I guess. Um, and anaconda is the code word, but why was that word chosen? No idea. Maybe we'll talk about it. Probably not. For a second, when he was like, where's your mom? And she walked up and he was like, anaconda. I, for a second, I genuinely was like, is that her name? <laughs> like, first, the way he said it at first, he was like, anaconda. And I thought she was going to be like, yeah? Yes, dear. What? Like... <laughs> Also, I noticed they have a very fancy house, and that makes mm. sense because they're, because they're supposed to be rich. Yeah. Um, also, I just realized that I wrote down some notes from last week's episode, and I forgot to say them. <laughs> Can yeah. I say them now? Yeah. Um, first of all, sorry for the amount of times that I said 409 instead of 709. I'm used to being in season four for Riverdale. <laughs> sorry. Um, and then my last thing was the thing about Shade Hedda, if I can really quickly bring up Shade Hedda in this uh, episode that's not really about Shade Hedda. When he said to Murphy, like, oh, you can have any woman you want. Like, why are you just sticking around with the one, right? That sounds kind of rapey. Yeah, sure does. Like, it makes me kind of feel like he, the re- like he's like, like, I get to pick whichever woman I want. And I'm so like, all-powerful. I'm so all-powerful and, like, terrifying that they have to, they have to sleep with me or I'll kill them or exactly. whatever. And that also, like, it kind of reminds me of... Antari was supposed to be, the, she was supposed to be the commander. Mm-hmm. She was acting like she was the commander. And then because of that, she like basically was like threatening to like hurt Murphy if he yep. didn't sleep with her, which was, which was rape. So, yep. He's like saying this to Murphy. And, and I don't like, know if Murphy's putting this together, but I'm just like, just leave him alone. Yeah. He just wants to sleep in the castle and like hang out, hang with, his out with his girlfriend. Yeah. Like that's it. Anyway, that's. Anyway, moving back into uh, into this. So her mom gets her to put on her key because they're all level 12s. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lucy is not a level 12, but she's like, I'm not a level 12 either. I left the cult. Right. And her mom's like, okay, well, if you're not a level 12, then you're going to die. So I need you to pick if you're going to be a level 12 or not. I'm like, just, we just got to pretend again because uh, now that's the thing we're doing. She's like, I think dad is just trying to get us back in his favor because um, how is he the first person to know? Mm-hmm. And she's like, lots of people know. She said, there are people all over the world scrambling for bunkers. So there you go. That's the Wallaces. Yes. That's your bring back to the Wallaces. Yes. That's your bring back to Mount Weather. But the mm-hmm. Mount Weather people don't have night blood, so they can't leave like like yes. our people can. And I thought this part was interesting because Lucy comes down, she goes, everything okay? And and they go, yeah, yeah, fine. Which I thought originally was Grace, who was like, yeah, it's fine. You're not part of this. Go. But then I went it's back. definitely and Callie. Callie's the one who says, yeah, everything's fine. So it's like, hmm, interesting. Yeah. So her mom basically kills Lucy because now Lucy can't even like run. Not that you can run away from missiles anyway, but she can't come with them. Yeah. Um, she says that it was her best friend. Sure. <laughs> so her mom's like, you're either coming or we're both staying because I'm going to die with you if you don't come. And once they get on the helicopter, they watch like a missile go by. Was one of the missiles aimed directly at her house? Or was it just like in that city in I general? think it was just the city. Okay. Because yeah. I was like, if, if it was aimed exactly at her house, then like Allie knows exactly like whose house to target, which is Cadigan. Right. And that would be like a Becca thing. Maybe. I but don't like know. they didn't know each other at that time. So oh, like, yeah. yeah. So probably never mind. It's probably just the city center. So after the missiles start going, there are riots and fires and everybody's heading down to the bunker. Cadigan is over the PA just like at Bardo. Yep. And I, it's not Cadigan's um, voice at Bardo, but it's clearly something that he's like his used. words, yeah. Yeah, and his he, something he's used to brainwash people. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone has to leave their keys at the door and their bags will be searched. Um, and Reese seems really happy to see his family, but he's a total garbage head, so I don't care. <laughs> um, and she's like, I don't want to spend the rest of my life in this bunker. And one of the girls in the back... Um, it's like, what? I thought it was just supposed to be a few years. And she's like freaking out. We see this girl multiple times. Like this is one of her only lines, but we see her yeah. in the background a lot of times. And I think she would probably be, um, like a character in, uh, does she end up like on their side? Yes. When they're leaving? Yeah. 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 She's the one who like is 
handing Callie the nightblood when she's giving it to Reese. Nice. So she's definitely around, and I think that she would be an important character if the show would be moving on. Nice. So we get August and his guitar, and I guess his we see him with the guitar later, so I guess his guitar was approved in the bag <laughs> search. And August just wants his girlfriend back, and his girlfriend's name is Janie, and she's not a level 12. And and here's my thing, like, if you're coming in with all the other level 12s, like, who would really know? Like, until the right. until the, the door was closed, you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Because they're really just walking in and then putting their, down their key. Like, is anyone gonna like, is notice? Someone, is someone actively monitoring you putting each key in? Yeah, like, like is, someone, is someone really gonna notice if you just walk in and don't put down, and just pretend to put down a key because because like you don't actually need at this point you don't need the key technically to get in because the way we get into the bunker in season four is that monty like turns the lock with the key mm-hmm. but like the door's open yeah they're just walking and what is it? it's like in this like circular what was that again do you remember and he had to like burn it to make it turn into the key what was that it was like a medallion a medallion from where i don't remember they found it at the oh they found it at the level 12 bunker with all the dead people. Okay. Like, if I were to make this make sense, then maybe somebody would be, like, up at top, like, making sure you have a key or something, but that wasn't clear at all. So, so we are meeting August and Tristan at the exact same time. (laughs) They weren't given separate moments, so it's hard to remember, like, who was who. Like, I knew that one of them was on the good side and one of them was on the bad side, but they both look like such generic white men that I just, I didn't know which one was which, like, the entire time. They look the same. And, Like like, like, I knew which one was which, but mm-hmm. I, they look the same. Like, like if they had been both given separate moments, I think I would have, like, it would have been, like, pretty clear to me. Sure. My thing was that just, like, I was like, oh, that's the good one. Like, but, like every single time, because... I just felt like August was, like, way more relevant in, like, long-term yeah. story. And Tristan was, like, Tristan reminded me of, like, somebody that would have gotten killed in, like, season one. Yeah. During and I'm just like you're not long for this world, buddy. I had a hard time like after the first time I watched it, I could obviously tell the difference. But like the first time, I was like, wait, so are you the good one or the bad one? Like <laughs> I, I really can't tell. So then we hear like the bombs and everything, and she says your fight is over, and we're like, oh, I see what you did there. Great. Yep. Okay. So was August a level twelve? He has to have been, right? Yes, August was. Later, Reese says that some of the level twelves got in, but not all of them. But August seems like a really he's he's a devout tree crew guy so i'm like what like i don't remember what you have to do to become a level 12 but like do you just give a lot of money like you just have to be really rich right yes it just like seems like something he would not be into you know yeah it seems like nobody should be on Callie's side side here yeah that's a good point because like the way that the articles like framed it was that like you can be a part of this by like donating a lot of money yeah and like the only people that were able to get to level 12 were like enlightened minds yeah. who are also like giving a lot of money yeah so like it really seems why like, is august a part of this i i know that it's been like two two and a half ish years or whatever so maybe she's like turned some people to, to her cause but he's like immediately right. not into it and it seems i don't know that just seems weird i'm like where's your family are you like are you an 18 year old who has millions of dollars like I mean, is he, like, a famous musician at the time? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Like, (sighs) so my next question was, did people who weren't level 12s get in? Like, it seems like no. No, definitely not. It just, I'm just, now that you point that out, I'm like, so what was the requirement? Yeah. And, like, if so, did August actually pass it, or was he just a plant for the prop? the like plot yeah he i think so so um they go to see um cadigan who's in like his little office thing with the anomaly stone where was this office when we were in the bunker 
Like we were there for five for years, six, six years. years. We were there for six years, and no one found it. it you know what? It's because Jaha died so early. Jaha would have found it Jaha for sure. For sure, would have found it. <laughs> and I'm just like, like, like we saw his what we thought was his office because that became yes. Octavia's office. Uh huh. But this is clearly a very different room. It looked kind of similar to the bedroom set that they had Octavia in, but it was much bigger. Yeah, and like had like technology along the walls and like who locked the door behind you when they left and then like, if it's... and like does he come back and forth because like he has a cryo chamber on bardo like did they build that on bardo or did he like wheel it in from the bunker has he been going back and forth with becca's journal but becca wouldn't know anything about being on bardo she wouldn't know what earth's like thing is right Okay, so then I thought, okay, maybe it's concealed, so all they had to do was close the door behind them, and then they can't see that them, because there aren't that many people ever in there, so maybe it's just a full-on secret and no one ever knows about it. Right. But then, but like, then when just... Becca comes in, they all just walk in. Yeah. So... And they take everybody through there. Yeah. When they leave, so... I don't know. <laughs> Imagine being like, I love you, Bill Cadigan, and then he's like, okay, come through here, and you're like, wow, you really were just hiding a whole ass room? Yeah, a whole extra room in here, huh? Thanks for not telling and, us. But, like, where was it during the bunker time? Yeah. And, like, season five would have been such a good point to have, like, we didn't need season six to get here. <laughs> right. Season six has nothing to do with anything. None of this, like, it's, it's, a lot of the seasons, like, the, there are, like, maybe two details that have anything to do with, like, other seasons. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're so... See, ugh, there's a word. Yeah. Doesn't matter. So, he says they ha he has two more symbols to go, but um, how does he know that he got the other five right? It's because he was looking at the paper, right? Yeah, one, two, he three, thinks four, five. it was the one, the code on the wall from Matching where picture. he stole it. And yeah. picture. So, his mom, uh, her mom comes in and is constantly just diagnosing people because she's a doctor. Um, and apparently he's a narcissistic sociopath. What a gem you married. Right. What happened there? So then he goes, oh, Callie, you were always mean when you got scared. This feels gaslighty. Oh, very. Every single time you're angry with anybody, it means you're being vulnerable. Yep. So she can't be angry with anybody without everybody being like, aw, mm, poor you. You're so scared. Are you frightened? I'm sorry. That's garbage. I hate that. The way that he talks to... Oh, the way that he talks to her reminds me a lot of my own dad. Mm. And, uh, not, gotta say, I don't love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, Cadigan stole the Anomaly Stone from Machu Picchu. And last episode, they said that they consider, well, I think Anders said that it, they consider it a gift from those who have transcended. Sounds like something Cadigan made up. Because that's what they said last episode. They said it was right. a gift from those who have transcended. Like, did he make that up about, like, people from Earth? Huh? Yeah. I think he made that up. Yeah. And he's just like, you know, you want to transcend, right? Well, I think Brittany was reading articles last night about what Jason had to say about the transcendence and all of that. Mm -hmm. I think, and he alluded to the war being kind of a suicide cult mm. thing with the Second Dawn. And he, he just wants them all to ascend. And I hope it's not that. Yeah. Because that's gonna... I don't know. I don't like that. Um, I didn't really think this seemed like something you could steal. Uh, how heavy is right. that? It seems heavy. You gotta have a lot of money to steal like that. And he's like, I didn't steal it. You can't steal something that belongs to all of us. Ew. Stop it. Ew. You're so white. <laughs> so he enters the last two symbols and me and Sam were like, please nothing happened. Please nothing happened. And we won. <laughs> Nothing happened. He loses. Um, I really love that Callie calls it Spaceball. 
yeah. the entire time. Like, even when they're just, like, he starts calling it something else, she still just calls it Spaceball. So they're like, hey, people are probably upset, you know, because so many people are dead and probably a lot of their families and people they know, so they're probably sad. And Reese is like, they're fine. We saved them, so they're not going to be mad at us. Right. Because we saved their lives. This kid sucks! It's just, like, it's such a narrow way of thinking and, like, also kind of selfish way of thinking because, yeah. like, you got in with your whole family. She's like, they lost so much. And he's like, not their lives, though. And I'm like, well, great, then. Thanks. I, su- I Thank should you. just be so grateful that I'm stuck in this bunker with a fascist leader. He's like, you can't be depressed. Just be happy. He's yeah. one of those guys. He, yeah. He's fully like, well, have you just tried being happier? Yeah. Sure, buddy. So he says that 92% of all level 12s are here. That's 1,104 of them. So um, 92%. Uh, so that would be 92% of 1,200. So mm-hmm. 1,200, obviously, because 12... Level 12s, 12. So there's room for 96 more people. Okay, so yeah, we kind of talked about this already, but what about the bunker with all the dead people in it? That was supposed to be all the level 12s. Right. Like, did we just, did we just misspeak? Like, do did I need to go back and watch the part from season four where I don't they think like, so. go into the bunker? Like, I will after we finish recording this just to check, but I'm pretty sure we're right. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure level 12 got to the regular one and the people who were supposed to be able to get into the bunker were secret level 13 because they had to, like, burn their medallions Mm -hmm. in a special fire to even get the key open. Well, the keys that they all had were already, like, in the the triangle, so they must have already burnt them in, like, some sort of ceremony. Exactly. And now they're like, whenever I need this, I've got it, you know? Yeah. I don't know. So we have extra resources for the 8% that died, so great. Um, So (laughs) Bill Cadigan's like, great, I got their millions of dollars and I don't even have to take care of them. So Callie's like, okay, well, I want to fill the rest of the bunker with people because we have 96 spots and people should come in. So she goes to the hatch and August has already knocked out Tristan, who I'm just like, hey, that's the same man twice. (laughs) And he's like, I think you're garbage just like your dad, but he's not, but she's not. And plot twist. He he assumes that she has the code because she's a Cadigan, um, but I don't think she does. Yeah, I don't know that. Well, she, she must get it by the time. Yeah. They get out, but that's because they might not. They go topside now, you know, like they actively go up there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if she has it now, but maybe later. Uh, Yeah, why is he here if he isn't a devout follower? We talked about that already. Um, He has a tree crew tattoo already, and um, Tristan says that they can't go up in suits for a year because he he woke up, and that's probably true. So they probably would die if they opened the. the Yeah, they just opened it for sure. Yeah, but there are people up there, like. Like, some people are alive up there. Yeah. So... Like, there are people banging on the door. Yeah. It's kind of horrifying. Yeah. And so he can't... Tristan can't shoot Callie because she's a Cadigan, but he will shoot August. And he's like, that's fine. And so he, like, is running for his girlfriend because he thinks that she's the one who's screaming out there. It's Janie. Um, there is no Janie backstory. I assume we would get that if we had the prequel, <laughs> but we don't. So then Reese well, she shows just up. might be part of his tragic backstory right. as he falls in love with Callie. Right. Exactly. Which, like, meh. I didn't find him that compelling, to be no. honest. So maybe we can find another love interest for her. Just get her a girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Reese shows up and Callie is like disgusted by her brother. And they talk about how Cadigan always loved Callie, but none of this is going to make him love Reese more. And she's like, do what's right, just like when we were kids. And me and Sam are sitting there last night and we're just like, I have not seen any dose of humanity from this kid. I would find it hard. I find it hard to believe that this kid is going to turn around and do something good for you. The the line they use there is like her asking him to do what's right and he says I am, which is very much like very typical of the yeah. show because 
it, all throughout the first several seasons, we, we had people, like, justifying their actions because from their point of view, they were right. Yeah. But he's still, it's still like, okay, you're not right, though. Like, yeah. you're objectively a bad person. Being bad. Yeah. Like, if it, when, when we watched in the, in season four, in, like, when Bellamy and Clark had the same conversation, mm-hmm. there was a difference, I feel. Yeah. Because, like, the urgency was much less mm-hmm. uh, immediate. And, um, I, I don't know, like, I mean, Clark was also still wrong for, like, not wanting to let other people in. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just, like, I really liked the moment, like, I didn't like it because I thought it was trash, like, that guy sucks. But I I liked it for the storytelling where, like, if he had been like, okay, Callie, you're right, I would have complained because I would have been like, I saw nothing from this kid that made me think he would ever do that. Right. And so I was just glad that he didn't because <laughs> that just didn't seem like if he had, it would have been inconsistent with his character. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So before we move on, I just want to talk to you guys really quickly about Patreon. So Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. So we have a Patreon. Ooh. It's patreon.com slash the aficionados. Um, and we try and offer <laughs> things that will make you want to help us. Um, for $1 and up, you can get early access to all of our podcasts. A lot of people say that it's really worth it for weekly podcasts um, like this one. So these ones go up at least one day in advance. And then um, our Lost and Stranger Things ones, since those ones can go. (laughs) Since we already have all the episodes, it's like easier to get them out faster. Mm -hmm. So those go up a week in advance on Patreon. If you help us $5 and up, you get 10% off at shopylux.com. Shopylux.com is the little store that me and Brittany have where we sell um, some things that we make. Even if you don't get the 10 off using our Patreon, going and checking out shoppylux.com. The links are in the description. Um, <laughs> that's another way that you can help us out and also get something really cool out of it. Yeah. Without it being like a monthly thing, if that's what you're worried about. Exactly. So yeah. But if you can't donate to us in any way, that's totally okay. The next best thing you can do is recommend us to a friend. I cannot even tell you how helpful that is. So, okay. Thank you. Continuing on. <laughs> Um, so we get two years later, graphic design is my passion. I really like, it said two years later, and then it goes, whoosh, like Voldemort at the end of Deathly Hallows Part 2. <laughs> and I was like, goodbye. Um, so they're all outside, and they've gone on, like, a mission, and they've been out there for a few hours, I guess. They're in their hazmats. Yes, and they're all low on air, so they're just heading back from a thing. And, um, they spent an hour at the mall. Callie was scavenging for the mental patient. So she was trying to bring toys to the children, I guess. Yeah. Like toys and like, imagine like things from the, the normal world. Yeah. That would make them feel like this isn't miserable. Yeah. And she's, she's says they call me psych ward Santa. Or I think the other girl says they don't call her psych ward Santa for nothing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then Callie's like, don't call me that. What other girl? There's a, there's a girl with them that doesn't get a name. Okay, that's why I was confused. Is she was yeah. just like, they don't call me psych- her psych ward Santa. I thought they said, they don't call me psych wards. Anyway, I was like, and then she goes, don't call them that. And I'm like, don't call them psych ward patient? Don't call them mental patients? That seems like a pretty chill thing to call them. <laughs> Whatever. So, um... I was like, oh, what's wrong with them? Why are they all in the psych ward? It's because later it's revealed that they have a major suicide problem. Yep. So, yeah. But, you know, they're all dying and Reese is, like, probably fine with it. He's like, cool, more food for me. Like, I don't care. You know, that guy sucks. It's interesting that Callie is trusted with going topside with Reese and Tristan. Right. And Like, I guess she's fallen in line enough yeah. at this point that they're just, like, she's just trying to make it better for people as much as she can. Mm-hmm. And, like... 
just kind of go along to get along kind of thing. Yeah. And then it changes when Becca shows up. Yeah. And so, yeah, Becca shows up and um, to hide, he, uh, Reese says do, that they should ghost. So since, you know, on Bardo, we got ghost mode and obviously mm-hmm. that's going invisible and this isn't going invisible. It's just kind of like hiding, but it's interesting that that like, language came. Very interesting choice of words. Yeah. Yeah. So that language kind of followed Cadigan. Um, and this is a flashback we have seen. Do you remember when we see this flashback? In It's in seven. It's in 307. 307. Episode, the name is the episode is 13. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is two years after the bombs. Yes. Was it? I thought this was like quite soon after. Wait, because in, in the flashbacks, Becca is up there for two years before she comes down? Yes, because okay. like we, we're watching in, this is also the episode where Lexa dies, like the B plot of it is uh, Becca in space and like the joining of the arc and all of that. Yeah. And like they're in space and working and stuff on her, like her project when the bombs fall. Yeah. And then two years later, the other space stations that were also in space are joining to create the arc. Right. And, and she's made she's like, I gotta go. Right. Because they're like, if you don't airlock that thing, you're not getting to join right. the arc. And she won't do it. Right. Yeah. So they go inside after they find Becca and she's like, I don't need medical. She's like really serious about that because she like is really um, confident in what she made. Yep. Um, and they're like, okay, Dr. Franco. And she says, call me Becca, which parallels call me Bill. Yep. And it's revealed that Callie used to dress as Becca for Halloween, which is really cute. Um, and totally tracks with the fact that Gabriel used to have a crush on her. Yes. So that, that's definitely bringing that in. We like nerds with taste. Yeah. So they locked down the bunker so that nobody else would see her. And Tristan is hurt because he had like a rip in his suit. When I first watched it, I thought it was August because I <laughs> couldn't tell the difference between them. And there was a leaking suit in season four. Was there not? Yeah. It was like a it's, Maury's or Echo's. It's a, like, yeah. I think it was a Maury's and they switched it to Echo's because they didn't, they cared less about Echo or something like that. Or, no, Clark gives up her suit. Right. For either Echo or a Maury. I think it's a Maury that had the leaked suit. And then Murphy was like, ah! Yeah. Because Murphy's like, they, like, I think they demand that Echo do it. Yeah. Because, right. like, she's the spare anyway, basically. Yeah. Which, and, like, also goes with how Echo was like, nobody likes me last, yeah. last, uh, last episode. And then Echo, or, and then Clark is like, no, no, I'll do it because I have nine right. blood. Okay, yeah. So I like, I don't know if this was, like, purposeful or whatever, but, like, the fact that there was, like, Amore just happened to put on the suit that, that Tristan had worn or something like that. Uh, like, what, wouldn't, wouldn't you just, like, throw it away? away? Yeah. <laughs> or repair it? Yeah. Well, I guess, like, this seems to be, like, one of the only times after that that they ever even, like, go topside because um, the only other time is, like, to burn Becca. Yeah, they do it to burn Becca and then they... Um, and, then, and then everybody leaves slash leave. goes to... Yeah, and the only person who's leaving Mario. with a suit is Grace. Yeah. So... So that could be the last time that anybody used them. Which yeah. Is cool. Um, so she saves him by injecting him with night blood and he doesn't seem very appreciative because he's a huge jerk later. Um... <laughs> Okay, here's my here's my thing that doesn't matter, but I matters to me. Mm-hmm. Reese and Tristan are boyfriends. Yes, because later when Reese is like, "Dad, I'll go back, I'll find it," and Tristan's like, "I'll go too." I'm just like, hmm. And like later when Tristan is like going into Becca's cell and she like no- and Callie like knocks him out or whatever, mm-hmm. and then Reese is like, "Where's Tristan?" I'm like, <laughs> "We get it, you're in love." <laughs> So, yeah, that's my theory. Thank you. I support it. So Becca can hear the stone, and the reason why Clark is the key, well, at least he thinks it's the key because she has the key in her head, is because she can hear the stone, right? Like, that's the whole point. 
is that when you have the key in, you can hear what the final code is, which is the one that doesn't make sound. It heightens your senses enough that you can tell which symbols don't make sound. Yes. So that's why Clark, they think Clark is the key. So I think he'd just like come up with a sonic. Yeah. Like, I guess he didn't know that part because she only told Callie. Yeah. Okay, buddy. Sure. And so I was like, oh, well, shouldn't Maddie be the key? Like, wouldn't Octavia know that? But they didn't see past... Levitt didn't watch past season three. Season three, season three, so I guess they don't know that. And the mom just says more medical talk. She's like, hey, can I talk about your blood? <laughs> well, like, did they know Did they know before they got Octavia? Or I don't know. What? I'm just wondering if, like, we know for sure that the reason they think it's Clark is because of Octavia's memory. I think it is. Like, I, I think you're right. Like, given what we know so far, yeah. you're right. But I... I'm just wondering if that's, like, ever going to be confirmed or if we're just supposed to assume that. Mm-hmm. So then they talk about how they used to have a dog who would cry all the time because they it was obviously hearing the stone and so they had to get rid of it. Um, so now I'm just like, why don't we go get another dog? Like, is this going to be, are we going to do some Picasso stuff? Are we going to do some stuff with Picasso? <laughs> Show me the dog. Like, now that Cadigan knows that it, the dogs can also hear it. Right. Do we not bring in a dog? Like, <laughs> you've been here for thousands of years, apparently. So the final um, one that she presses is the infinity symbol, of course. And so this is them turning it on. So it so was like, off before. He would know that something with the stone, it does have to do with like auditory. Why wouldn't he just invent some kind of sonic machine? Okay. Yeah. All right. He doesn't necessarily, like maybe he's still been pressing, maybe he did and he's still pressing it and he's just like, can't tell that it's the ones that are silent or whatever. Right. Like he just doesn't know. But but now it floats because it was turned on. So it was off before. So maybe like, I don't know, it was turned off and then they put it in Machu Picchu so that no one could ever find it again or something. I don't know. Right. Like were there aliens on earth? Like are, bar- are Bardoans also from earth? Like what? I don't, we don't know. Have people from the other place? Like I need to know. Yeah. Like maybe they're and gonna I'm not tell gonna, us. I'm not gonna get to know. They're gonna tell us that aliens built Machu Picchu and that the aliens went to Bardo after building Machu Picchu. Sure. So I think this is the stuff that Maddie has been drawing. Like she's seeing things from Becca's memory. I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, there are 744 symbols with infinite combinations, and once again, the mom wants to talk about Nightblood because she's a doctor, and <laughs> and Cadigan is so mean to her. He's so mean. He's such a jerk. She's like, "Hey, can I talk about her?" Like, do you mind if we talk about your blood? And he goes, I mind. Shut up. Yeah. It's so rude and, like, so dismissive of, like, anyone else. And uh-huh. I'm like, well, this tracks for a fascist. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here's a, here's another theory that I maybe have. Okay. So there are seven symbols, seven points to create a path or whatever. Seven, seven, seven. Uh-huh. There are six of these, like, worlds or whatever, right? Oh. Are there really only six? I think, right? Because it goes Bardo, Sanctum, Earth. Nakara, Skyring, Etheria. Yeah, you're right. So is there going to be a secret seventh? I would like to see it. I don't know. So they're like, hey, we shouldn't just go through because we could die on the other side slash could die while we're traveling because we don't know when it actually happens there. Maybe the seventh is like the ball of light where you go when you go through the ball of light. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. There are are seven different codes then, maybe. Like, why would you build a a rock with like that many possibilities of codes and only have seven work? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Because it's a secret. No one gets to figure it out. Only I know. So then Becca's like, okay, well, we don't have to stay in this bunker. Like, I can just turn us all into Nightbloods and then we can just go upstairs and hang out there. And Kyle's yeah, like, no. Keep doing science while also, like, not having a miserable quality of life. Yeah, because I want everybody to stay here and keep worshipping me. 
And I gotta say, like, now, like, on Bardo, every, he's just asleep all the time. He can't even enjoy all the people being obsessed with him. Right. So, like, what's, like, what what's are you waiting for, sir? Callie refers to all of his, like, disciples and stuff as the flock, which, um, or with, as his flock, and the yeah. flock is the name of the next episode. Um, which, like, refers to, like, him being a shepherd. Yes, and them being sheep. Yes. Following him. Um, she says that there's been 20 suicides in the last six months. And I really like the one where she, he, he's like, are you done? And she's like, have I convinced you? And he's like, yes. And she's like, oh, yeah, well, great then. And then he's like, the answer is the anomaly. And then she's like, that's not what I was saying. Yeah. And Reese is like, I agree with whatever dad says. And they're like, okay. Shocking. And then Grace believes him too, but I don't know why. I, I mean, I guess she's just like into the possibility of like traveling to another world. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. So then he's like, I've never been more sure about anything in my entire life. What makes you so special, Bill? Like, what makes him think that he's so special? Because he found the anomaly? The anomaly stone? Is that why he thinks that he's like the end-all be-all of everything? I've never been so sure. Well, who cares about if you're sure about something? Like, I don't give a crap about that. Like, just boldly walk in there and, like, get murked by a crystal giant on Bardo. See if I care. Bye. (laughs) So, Callie goes to the hospital wing, and um, one of the ladies there is is asking if she brought gifts for the kids, which Mm -hmm. is apparently, that you know, that's, like, the Santa thing thing that she does. Um, Tristan is fine, and he's all fixed. Um, She goes to see Becca again, and she's, like, journaling. I'm like, girl, it's the future. Journals? (laughs) Maybe, like, I mean, some, obviously it's really some important. Some people enjoy handwriting things, Robin. Because we've seen Becca's journal throughout the entire series, right? Yes, we have. Um, and Where did they get it from? The journal? Yeah, like, uh, d- didn't they get it from her lab? Or I her house? Like, I feel like the commander always has it. Like, maybe the flame keepers always have it or something. So does Becca, just so, or so does uh, Callie somehow manage to get it back from Reese in the plot of the maybe. prequel? Let's see. The 100 Wikia, and let me search Becca's journal, see if there's a page for Becca's journal. I guess I'll just click Becca. There isn't a thing for Becca's journal, but... Gaia mentions that Becca is buried in the second Dawn bunker. She got Isn't burned she alive. Burned? I'm just looking at the trivia on Becca's page. Is all. I'm sure. Like I'm sure that that's something Gaia said at some point. Yeah. But then they undid it. Yeah, I don't have it here. I don't remember how they got the uh, the um, her journal. But I, I they think, have it at the end of season three, and I, they haven't even I like. Feel like Titus had it. I don't know why. Or maybe Gaia had it. I don't remember. Anyway. Maybe so, maybe Titus gives it to Clark. Yeah. With the flame. Yeah. Okay. So then um, Callie comes in and she's like, my dad wants to keep everyone under his thumb. And I'm like, that was subtext. I already got that. You know, like I, this show used to be so much more subtextual. Yeah. And then And then the little Easter eggs of subtext were like only for the people who are really like careful and like really cared about uh, looking for that sort of thing and now it's like they just want to like tell us the par- parallels they're making which is like right i'm not dumb i can figure it out right i just feel so like underestimated and like undervalued yeah by the way the writing is turned like as an audience member like you write to the audience that you want and even if you don't figure it out that doesn't mean you're stupid it, no, just, no, no. it literally just means like and, and it's so much more fun when somebody does finally point that out and you get to go Oh. Exactly. Wow. They really did that. Wow. But when they tell us, and it's not as fun. Yeah. Mm. So then we learned that Becca went to Harvard at age 10, and Callie's going to save everybody and give people a night blood while Becca distracts Cadigan with the stone. 
It's Cal- a good plan. Yeah, Callie basically guesses literally everything about her, and I'm like, okay, so I don't really need to write anything down about this scene because I already know all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and Allie, or Becca, ooh, yikes, Allie. <laughs> <laughs> Becca says that her, the AI is her penance, and of course penance is what they call Skyring on Bardo. Mm-hmm. But Cadigan wasn't there when she said penance, so maybe she wrote that in her journal, but Cadigan but, I mean, doesn't it's have also, the journal. I don't it's know. also just a word for, like, a punishment. True. It's just interesting that they brought it that same word it's, in. Yeah. But then she's like, I call it the flame, though. It's an homage to... <laughs> and Callie could literally guess any myth about a fire. <laughs> and she just happens to guess it right. And it's not like she's even going, Prometheus? And because going like, yeah. Instead she's going, Prometheus, yeah. And I'm like, there are a lot of myths about fire. <laughs> Why? Well, yeah, it, you know, that one. Yeah, yeah. Is oh, the that important one. one. Sure. Calliope is, is also Greek. And Calliope is the muse who presides over eloquence and epic poetry, so-called from the ecstatic harmony of her voice. So that makes sense that a lot of things are like with music for her, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Calliope is a instrument even. Oh, really? I think so. She had two famous sons, Orpheus and Linus, by either Apollo or King Oegrus of Thrace. <laughs> she taught Orpheus verses of singing. She's the wisest of the muses, as well as the most assertive. That makes sense. She defeated people in singing matches and then turned them into magpies. Go off. (laughs) Oh, her father is Zeus. She was sometimes believed to be Homer's muse for the Iliad and the Odyssey. Interesting. So that's interesting. She's like, oh, you know, Greek things. And this whole show is like, you know, Greek things. Um, (laughs) So all the symbols make noise, but seven of them are silent. Um, So where does that one go to? That's kind of the question of the rest of the season, I think. Yes. So then I was like, oh, did she go to Bardo? And I was like, I don't think so. Did she go to Penance? Because it would make sense that, you know, it felt like she was gone for a really long time. Like, now that we think about it, I think it leads to a seventh place that we don't know. Yeah, I agree. Or Etheria, because it's the only other planet we haven't been to. Right. And then I was like, but then, but then it's like all of the other planets, like anomalies look exactly the same. They all look green. Yeah. And like, they know about Etheria because it's in the mask. So like, it wouldn't be that. Yeah. But then I was like, oh, she says it's cool. Does she mean that it's cool that it's cool? Or does she mean cool that like it's Nakara because it's like an ice planet or whatever? But right. I, yeah. Um, Like, I think it, I think she meant that the like light was physically cool to the touch. Yeah. But. Then say cold. (laughs) <laughs> so it's not confusing. Yeah. So Callie has that one gray streak, which is really cool. Um, mm, yeah, it's yeah. very cool. And and so my question, like, so Allie goes, God, sorry. <laughs> Becca goes through and I thought maybe she was brought back when someone else touched it because Cadigan kind of like reaches out his hand. But I think she she might have come back herself because when when she comes back, she's like praying. Yeah. And then I was like, well, Hope was praying to the Penance Anomaly Stone. So, like, maybe we can bring that through. Like, remember? Okay. In the garden. Or, I think it was, like, when we saw well, her with Dev. Which but, was I mean, I think later. when when Hope does it, it, it's her asking to, yes. like, have the stone give her her family back. I just thought that was, like, a visual that we mm, saw yeah, before yeah, yeah. In, 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 like, accordance with the Anomaly Stone. And I'm, like, I'm just wondering, is she praying to the stone? Or is she, like, begging some, yeah. like, unknown presence because I think to like spare them. Anya So Games sent us another tweet about that, and they said maybe because Becca came back on her knees that she see Shade Hedda in the space ball. Shade Hedda is so much farther forward. Like I don't know. Like is it another time thing? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, like it's a good point. It's like is she is she praying or is she begging? Right. We don't know. 
And like, if so, if so, which which iteration of Shade Hedda? Like, is she seeing Shade Hedda on Earth, or is she yeah. she's seeing Shade Hedda leading Sanctum against her? like the Bardoans or like like Shade Hedda was kind of garbagey but I don't think he's like worse than the missiles you know what I mean so like if she's saying that yeah. it's worse than that then I don't know I'm just like, wondering did she see prime fire I'm just like wondering how the two plot points are going to come together yeah because like they always do that like season three had like two pretty prominent villains that were like not related to each other in Pike, any way. Pike and Allie. Yeah. yeah. And then by the end of the season, like, they come together to, like, Pike joins up with, like, our, the good guys or yeah. whatever to fight the City of Light. And I'm just like, so how are we going to do that here? Because yeah. it's the last season. Yeah. <laughs> so she says she saw something terrible and I'm wondering if maybe that's about the Crystal Giants, like, if she had gone to Bardo or something. But, mm-hmm. um, once again, I think that she went to a secret seventh place. Which, like, is where the war to end all wars will take place or something maybe or like yeah it's either the place that it will occur or like will bring them the enemy right or the yeah the enemy will come through or something yeah so then she talks about judgment day and he's like oh judgment day already happened and she's like no no it's worse she says none of us is ready and Cadigan's like i'm ready and she's like Ugh, no that makes you even less ready she's go like, away no especially not you ew and Katarin's like, all right, well, you were rude to me, so lock her up. Jail. So then Callie comes up and she's like, dad. She's like trying to get on his good side and trying to get him to like be nice to Becca. She says, oh my God, dad, I think the anomaly stone, like obviously she doesn't use the word anomaly stone because that's like our verbiage or whatever. But, right. But dad, the space ball, it was brought to you so that you could rebuild the world or whatever, right? She's like trying to make it about him and trying to like appeal to his like appeal narcissism. To his, yes. And he's still just like, meh. He says, like, I'll save us, not her. And I'm like, ew, sir, you're gross. I like, hate if you. If you just work together, you probably could save a lot of people. And he's just like, no, it's about me. Yeah, like, when we see him on Bardo, he seems, like, very nice. And he's like, it is me. I am me. Hello, hello. And he's, like, very kind. And I'm like, I, s- I know who you are. I don't buy it. So Tristan goes to see Allie. God, Becca. <laughs> it's been, it's and it's been five days. She's been in there for five days. And Tristan's like, hey, I'm really grateful for you helping me. But I like, I don't know. I I'm going to hold this water out of your reach yeah. and like taunt you with it until you give us the code. But I can't go against orders or whatever. So Callie comes in and she knocks out Tristan and he doesn't have the keys. So Reese must have the keys. And she says that Reese found the notebook and knows about the flame. And Becca's like, okay, well, they're going to kill me now because they need the flame out of my head. She, Callie says that they're going to call it Nightblood and August came up with it. Who's August? Because... <laughs> I don't know that man. I don't know anything about him. He, he has pl- a guitar, Robin. He, pl- he plays guitar and he used to have a girlfriend named Janie. Janie, that's all I know. She said she's going to run away outside the bunker. Like, if she and Becca can get away, they can both go outside the bunker because they can't follow them. Yeah. And that kind of reminds me of on Bardo when Levitt was saying, like, you guys should just go outside. They can't follow they you. They can't follow you because they, they, they're too afraid to follow you. Right. Um. So then th- she said something about the final code. And if they find the final code, then the human race will be wiped out. So I think that's the the seven that don't make sound, I guess. Now I'm sitting here wondering, like, are they able to go topside on Bardo if they have Nightblood? Well, they, they can if they have rebreathers. But now I'm sitting here wondering, like, is that just a Cadigan ploy to keep them all inside? Because, like, mm. then he can control them. Well, that would make sense that that would be what they were, like, testing for when they said she's clean. That would make so much sense because then it would be like, oh, you're, you have a nightblood so you can go outside and so you're special or whatever. Right. But they didn't like test Echo or whatever. Like, and, and, and Cadigan also knows that that's like important 
and has something to do with Becca and everything. And yet that's not what they're, we don't, I guess we don't know for sure that that's not what they were testing for, but Anders looked right at Beck at, at Echo's bloody face and saw the black blood running down her face and didn't seem to care. So I don't know. Right. So um, Becca and Callie are also talking about the fact that something that I don't think we knew until now that the AI protects itself. So if it was drowning, it would like jump out of the water. And if it was being burned, it would just leave the flames or something like that. Right. Like, I don't think we knew that I don't before. think we knew that, that much detail about like we knew it would protect itself, but like not to the extent of like swimming. This kind of feels a little bit like a retcon because a lot of the conversations that we had once it was revealed that Becca had been burned at the stake, a lot of the questions were, well, if Be- if we if we saw in Maddie's mind, somebody's mm-hmm. mind, we saw Becca being burned at the stake, which means that one of the commanders saw Becca being burned at the stake when right. they had the AI in. Then how did the AI get out of Becca if Becca is the one that had the flame in her head? And so it feels like this is just like a really weird way for them to be like, it like just left. It just like jumped out. Yeah, it just walked away. And Reese read the journal, so he's like, like, he knew that it was going to happen, I guess. they just waited until she was, like, burnt to a crisp and, like, pulled it out. Like, and that's another one that I, I, like, why burn her alive? Like, are they, are they specifically trying to torture her to give her the code? Is that- Or to, like, set an example or whatever? I I don't know. I'm not sure exactly why they, like, actually burned her alive. I feel like that's also, like, something they had to do- to make it fit the plot that they had already written. Yeah. Which is fine. You don't always know what you're going to do ahead of time. Sure. But, like, at that point, have her be there longer. It was a week. Yeah. Um. So she says that Latin for goodbye for now it does what? Like, gets it out of someone. We like, knew that already. We did. Because that's how they get it out of Clark. It's also a weird retcon because, like, when they killed Lexa, they were like, well, you can't get the flame out of her head unless she's dead. Yeah. Which is... Becca just literally said, no, that's not the truth. Well, there's a back door as long as you use that, yeah. that thing, but it's but not- like, so I pl- guess, like, will it kill- it doesn't- it shouldn't- it doesn't kill you, because, like, Clark had it in her head and then took it out. And, and Maddie. Like, so did Maddie. So, but it seemed the way that they were talking, if- if Callie said the passphrase, it would leave her head and she would, like, die immediately and like the way that they they were doing it it seemed like she was gonna be like okay take it out of my head i'm gonna die anyway i need it to be in your hands and not theirs yeah well but that's the thing is that she's like don't do it right now do it later but like when also like she doesn't tell her how to turn it on like she says she tells her how to like get it it to leave someone's brain but she doesn't tell her about ashende superius which like i mean i guess it's in the journal but is it I guess Ashende Superior is in the journal, but the other one isn't. So only Callie knows that. Reese does not know that. So Reese gets it out because they burned her, I guess. Like, that's the only way he could have possibly gotten it out, I guess? Yeah. Okay. But she said, yeah, if you don't have Nightblood, you'll die. And that she needs to choose the person wisely. And so I was like, oh, she chooses herself because Cadigan thinks that she's in there. And then I was like, but she's probably not even in there. Yeah. I, I, at this point, I don't think she's in there. Yeah. So she, yeah, the first flame keeper, maybe, which makes sense. She'd be the one who's just like, I'm the flame kappa. Yeah. Like she, she's the one who made up the words and everything. And like, she invents like the sacredness of like what it is to like use the flame. Mm-hmm. And like, she probably wouldn't see herself as like high enough to yeah. be commander. 
But it, I'm, I guess it's another like question for the spinoff, like mm-hmm. how they would decide and like, cause they, they also sort of allude to like the origin of the conclave and stuff here. Yeah. Uh, because when Reese comes back with it, they, she challenges him to a fight for yeah. it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, it is goodbye for now because when Callie puts the flame in her, then she will see her again. But yeah. now I'm like, never mind, put that away. Never mind. She's not I gonna mean, go in the flame. I would like it. Like if Callie was actually in the flame, I would be super like I, I would think that would be really sweet. Like if Callie is like Clark, if she's like a normal person, she's like, I'm not good enough. I need to find somebody who is good enough. If she's like Clark, she's like, I'm the only one who can do it. I'm the only one I trust. Right. So who knows? Could be either way. Reese, like, he gets this mo- he's- there's this moment where he, like, seems upset that he's watching somebody come, like, burn alive, but then he goes downstairs and he's like, meh. He's, he just goes downstairs and he's like, got it! Yeah. And, and like, then I think this is one of the, the first times that they use the word disciples, so this is, like, so now we're getting closer and closer to what we have now. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, you let this happen, mom! And I'm like, just because she was, like, Did complicit she? in it, I guess? I don't really know why we're blaming our mom. Yeah. Um. I mean, but that's- that's- that tracks. Yeah. But- not good. So they're trying to fight to get by because people who have Nightblood want to go outside and just continue living their lives and the disciples want to stay in the bunker. Mm-hmm. And then they say that they used to fight when they were in the basement and that now they're going to fight now to see who gets get the thing. Th- yeah. And he's like, I'm not going easy on you. And she's like, okay. So then she shoots Neither him in the arm. I. She shoots him in the arm and he's like, oh, I'm your brother. I'm like, frick you, dude. Right. When have you ever acted like a brother though? Right. You don't, you mean nothing to me. (laughs) Like, getting shot is, uh, pretty serious. She could kill you. She could have shot you in the, uh, in the heart, but she didn't. But, like, yeah, I don't know. It's very, it's very much, like, this is the first conclave for the flame. And I'm just like, okay, we're we're not actually doing this because, like, because she's just gonna try and save them and, like, leave. But this parallels Luna? Yeah. Who was supposed to fight her brother? Yes, she killed her brother. Yeah, she killed her brother and that's why she hates herself or whatever. So that might, that is a parallel, I think, potentially. Um, So she takes the flame and she gives her brother Nightblood, which like then I assume becomes like one of her downfalls because... Because he's gonna like come after her. Yeah. But also like, he doesn't, it doesn't heal bullet wounds. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. (laughs) Um, So she's gonna give Nightblood to any other survivors they find. Do they find other survivors? I'm assuming that they do because, like, they grow tree crew and, like, Asgeta and all of that. And, like, mm-hmm. they all become part of the grounder, like, culture and, like, religious. They certainly don't find because, Mount Weather. Because, like, there are Nightblood children in, like, all of those clans. clans. So, like, either the people that she, like, has from tree crew break off and, like, find other survivors or they do find other survivors and, like, those people are their own, like, thing. Right. So, yeah, that girl from before is, like, also here helping out with giving Reese the nightblood and everything. Um, she, I'm really interested in her. She's the one I'd be watching for in the prequel. Um, but I also love minor characters. So <laughs> that's very that. on brand for you. Um, I just find her relatable because she's, like, down there and she's like, huh? My I didn't want to stay here forever. Yeah, how did all these people become level 12s? Because they don't seem, like, that into what's like, happening in yeah. here. Um, or very devout. 
which is like to be in the secret level or whatever you were supposed to have been like super devout yeah right? and so she's like mom let me give you nightblood and she's like you know what i've seen earth and i want to see more planets and i'm like well nightblood can't hurt on like the other planets like i really feel like it could right. probably help you either way so just take like just take it <laughs> It's very much a, like, a loose thread that they left open specifically for if the spinoff gets picked up. Mm -hmm. Because, like, they're gonna, like, have the reunion of her, Grace and Callie, like, finding each other again. Be, like, a super important plot point or whatever. But, first of all, she had the time here. And then... When she gets thrown into the airlock a few minutes later by Cadigan and, like, has to put on the suit and stuff. How far, logistically, could Callie have gotten yeah. with Tree Crew? Mm-hmm. Like, 20 minutes? Half an hour? Yeah. They're on foot? She's like, I want to see more planets. And I'm like, bad news, you're staying on this one. Yep. Okay, here's the thing that annoyed me. They're like, we can't close the door. There's too many people I'm on here. I'm like, y'all need to start piggybacking. Some People need to start climbing on top of each other. Oh, fully. You literally only need, like, the room of, like, three more people. Right. Y'all not trying hard enough. <laughs> like, just climb. 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 Climb on top of things. Get up on the on the stairs. I don't remember right. if they were on the stairs or not. Yeah, but um, So the mom helps them close the door, and obviously it won't open until the inner door is sealed, or else, like, all the radioactivity right. goes all over the place. Callie took the AI. So, so Bill Cadigan comes in, and he's like, Reese, 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 where's the AI? Do you have it? And Reese has this moment where he's just like... My dad will hate me forever. He's like, oh no. He's like, he, he he had it and he was gonna be like, this is the key, not only for whatever, but also to make my dad love me. And he's like, Callie took it from me because dad always loves her more and whoever has the key is who my dad loves or like whatever. Mm. And he's like, but I'll get it back, dad, I'll get it back. Um, But we know he doesn't. Right. Get it back, so sucks to suck. And it's just such a, also such a bummer that like in the present time, Cal... Cadigan is, like, asking about Callie, and he's, like, doesn't give a crap about Reese. Screw Reese's drag, I guess. That's another thing is, like, we know at least, like, most of, like, what actually happened. So, like, I know how their story ends, which, like, what what in the prequel can you give me that I don't already know the end game of? Right. I don't know. So Tristan says he'll go because he also has Nightblood and loves his boyfriend, Reese. Correct. Cadigan seals his wife. We seal a mom in an airlock again. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Like, I appreciate that it's implied that she survives and it'll be a plot point of the new series or Mm -hmm. whatever. But uh, watching that was very upsetting at the time, gotta say. Mm -hmm. Like, I could see it coming when he, like, brings her in for a hug. And I'm like, this man is about to snap her neck. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, no, thank you. So were they together or divorced or separated or what? Well, they were divorced when we, like, started the episode. Yeah, like, like, at least estranged. Yeah. And I guess they were, like, sort of together in the bunker. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they started playing a really dope song, and this song, as soon as it started playing, I was like, I think this was on Riverdale. And it was. I was right. It was. <laughs> I don't know if this is true, but I thought it would be interesting if, like, when we got down in there in season four, I don't remember, but maybe there was, like, one radiation suit missing, and mm-hmm. that was never really answered, or something like that. Like, that would right. be kind of cool if, like, this was kind of, like, them figuring that out or something. Right. I don't know. I kind of have, like, some sort of recollection of something like that, but maybe that's just me making it up. But, yeah. Mm. But if there was one radiation suit missing, it's like, then we know where it went. It was Grace Exactly. It. it seems much nicer outside than it was before, like, a week ago when Becca first showed up. Or, like, maybe two weeks. I don't remember how long. She, I don't know how long she was working on the Anomaly Stone before she got locked up. Mm-hmm. But it was, like, a storm and, like, 
gross outside and like now they get out here and they're just like wow nice air <laughs> you know fresh radiated air yeah i mean they haven't like been able to breathe regular like earth air i guess in two years and they like every time they've gone topside they're just like in suits so so he's gonna go with tobardo and he takes the photo of his family with him and with all the disciples i'm like you don't care about your family i didn't realize he took the photo yeah mm. you don't care he's gonna be like this is my family clark like he's gonna be like see i care about people yeah where are they now yeah tell me i think the main question still is like why when we get there in season four is it so nice when like when they got there they were like it looks like nobody ever came here and apparently people were there for like two and a half years and like Like, what did they they clean up after themselves like it seemed like everyone kind of left in like a bit of a hurry so i don't really understand how that happened like why is it pristine like was the kit like i imagine they left the kitchen and like the farm and stuff like going and like wouldn't they have gotten down there and there'd been like rotted plants from like 200 years ago Mm -hmm. i don't know um so then my next question was how does it get turned off um because i i don't think that cadigan would know how to turn it off or do they like is that one of the mis like when they're breaking the code or whatever, is that something that they figure out how to do? Because Becca turned it on. So, like, did he, like, take note of what she did and, then like, turning it on and turning it off is the same? Man, I wish Becca... I wish we didn't, like, know that Becca was for sure dead. Mm-hmm. Or I would say she was the person going ghost mode and turning off anomaly stones. Right. Yeah, so that's still not clear as how it gets turned off. Unless, like, Cadigan pretended it was off and just like put that in the computers of the helmet so that everybody just so like no one would go, no back one would go there i guess okay so i guess the code breaking team are is the one who's figuring out where like how to get to all the places because clearly cadigan doesn't know anything i still think that it's bellamy who grabbed gaia that's still my working theory i don't know how it makes sense but it is okay unless like it's revealed to be Callie or something stupid like that like that wouldn't make any sense. I don't oh, know. Man. So outside, August is like, hey, aren't you scared that the, the fire will uh, attract attention? And she's like, I hope it does because we need We're lots trying of to get people. Yeah. And so we go back to where we are in the their, present on Bardo. Their little uh, fire mm-hmm. family was very season one Clark Yes, very. And um, Clark says, oh, yeah, totally. Like Calliope's totally here. Like, if she, if she was actually in there, she would say Callie, mm-hmm. but he said Calliope, and so that's the only thing that she knows, and so she's like, yep, Calliope is here, totally, um, but she totally is not. And then she's like, and that's not how it works. Pew. Um, she's like, you killed my best friend. I'm like, wow, what a best friend. Ooh! <laughs> Just like, um, Callie calls Lucy her best friend, and we have some mm-hmm. doubts. Clark calls Bellamy her best friend, and we have some doubts. He's like, bring my friends right now! And Gabriel's like, okay, well, first of all, first of all, Bill Cadigan's like, I would love to ask somebody to bring you your friends, but I don't have anybody to tell because we're all alone here. Yeah. Um, and so she, so Gabriel But I also goes, wondered if that meant, uh, she's like, show me my friends. Or, mm-hmm. And like, I wondered if I can't give orders to men who aren't here meant that he was trying to say, they're my men now. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And so Gabriel goes to open the door, and I notice that Gabriel's hand opens the door. So that means Gabriel is also, like, totally yeah, like in. access. Yeah. And Anders has just been, like, standing there the whole time. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know that it's only been, like, two minutes, really, like, in their actual time. 
but it's so funny to me that like he they closed the door on him and he's just been staring at a solid wall <laughs> until it opens just again. Waiting. Like, um, the, my commander is like my shepherd is in there. I cannot move until I see him again. Yeah. And so they bring in three of the disciples, which are Octavia, Echo, and Dioza. And we were like, oh, Hope isn't there because they wouldn't recognize Hope, so it wouldn't mean anything. Um, but also where's Hope? But also where's Hope? Now I'm like, maybe she's somewhere else. Right. I don't like, know. Like, is she on a mission? Is she safe? Did she die? Is this going to answer any of my questions that I have? Probably not. I don't <laughs> know. Um, but I did notice that they still don't have tattoos. Oh, yeah. They don't. Like, none of them were given tattoos, so. I feel like next week is going to also be a flashback. Mm-hmm. To what happened during those three months? Yeah. Maybe, like, some of it. Because I think in the trailer we see them with the rebreathers looking at the crystal giants. And we see I them, like, training as well. Yeah, like, but I don't think, I don't remember if we saw Clark there or not. Like, it was just Echo and Octavia. And, right. Right. Okay. Um. So, I still have, let me take a look at my questions. Um. A lot of these are, once again, just, like, things that we are about Bardo, so we didn't really learn anything about that. What's the difference between the master and the she- and the shepherd? Still don't know. We talked about the master for like two episodes. Like I would love for if the master ended up being like Tristan or like Grace or something <laughs> or or Reese or something. I don't know. Yeah. Or like is that supposed to be Anders? Uh well he's known as the first disciple. Like if like wouldn't they have called him the master? I don't know. Yeah. I feel like it's probably just Cat again again. All these questions are not answered except for why is Clark the key and it turns out she isn't. <laughs> The flame is the key. So, okay. Now it's time for our segments. So my first segment is the post-apocalyptic Sasquatch. And this week, my uh, favorite line award goes to... Goes to Bill and Callie for... I said no, Calliope. I'm not ten, William. Using my full name won't stop me. Drag him. That was so funny. And my favorite line award goes to Callie and Becca for... You closed the portal. Yeah, I didn't want your father to throw me in it. She already knew that something bad was going to happen there. Yeah, her instincts were correct. Yeah. Uh, And my first segment is, what is Sam shipping this week? Callie and Lucy? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, Callie and Lucy. Yeah. But I was, uh, of course, lured in by the mother-daughter relationship between Grace and Callie. And at this point, I don't want the sequel to get, or the prequel to get picked up because I don't want to get played again. You want it to get ruined. My next segment is the most valuable protagonist award. So this week's MVP is Callie. Obviously. Obviously. Uh, and my next segment is, did anyone mention Kane or Abby? Uh, no, they sure didn't. And I'm not counting Grace being a doctor as a mention. I'm just not doing <laughs> yeah. that. How many episodes since the last murder? Womp womp. Um, zero. Classic. So many murders. Becca got so murdered. And I'm sad about it. Like, this was, uh, it was just such a sad ending for her. Kind of feels like Lucy got a little bit murdered as well. Oh, yeah. Less like, it's like like second degree murder, I guess, for Lucy. Yeah. No intention there. Mm -hmm. Manslaughter. Yeah. Uh, So this next episode is called The Flock. um, And the little blurb underneath is, Murphy and Indra must defuse a tense situation. I wonder which tense situation it is. That sounds like the same story we've had for... Eight weeks on Sanctum. Meanwhile, old friends make new allegiances. So that's, uh... Go ahead! Go, girl! Give us nothing! (laughs) So now we're gonna watch the trailer. Three, two, one, play. Everyone has the ability to serve humanity. So I think, I like that we're seeing the exterior of Bardo. Mm -hmm. That's what you were asking for. Yeah. Hey, Levitt! Whose baby is that? It feels like there's more in here than we usually get, which is nice. Mm-hmm. 
any everyone has the ability to serve humanity. So we get these are clearly the crystal giants that we're talking about. Right. And like did they make the Bardoans serve humanity? Like what does that mean? And the people that Anders has here are Hope, Echo, Dioza, and Octavia. Mm. Dio- Octavia looks minuscule. <laughs> I guess it's just, like, they've got a lot of radiation. Like, clearly there's lots of, like, um, lightning. lightning happening, which is, like, really crazy on the Crystal Giants part. And there's, like, structures. Like, it looks like they had a society that got destroyed. The- like, that fits Cadigan's narrative that he's telling people about. This one shot with the Crystal Giants and the lightning and everything is so... Eerie? Haunting? Mm. There are way more than I thought. And... Some of them are, like, doing other things, you know? Like, like some of them are walking and then others are facing... All right, go off. Um, some of them are facing a different way and other are, like, crouching and just, like, this is terrifying. It's very, like, um, Mount Vesuvius. Mm-hmm. And, is that what I'm talking about? No. I have no idea. The volcano? Vesuvius is a volcano. I know, but the one where, like, people are, like, frozen. Pompeii? Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's Pompeii. Okay, so we've got this creepy person. I know nothing about this person. What person? Like, oh, like there's some like grounder yeah, style person. Like I think it's in the Shade Hedda plot. Yeah, it's definitely in the Shade Hedda plot. I don't know. Sure, whatever. So Indra's talking. Then we have Anders with a gun. And then Dioza looks like she's tied up somewhere. Mm-hmm. Okay, or or Dioza's like in trouble, but someone else is tied up and they're making us think it's Dioza. Right. And then Anders is saying something next to Levitt. Let me hear. Trust in each other. This is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Shade headed to Indra. Uh, I find that hard to believe. Over a shot of a baby. Who baby dat? Whose baby are it? And then once again, for all mankind. He always has his arms up and Levitt's always just like, okay. Levitt's (laughs) just like, I'm here. Sure. Um, So this is Echo shooting. They're like in VR, basically. Yeah, they're both. And they're like shooting each other. Yeah. This, so this seems like the um like non-lethal non-lethal weapon that they had been using or whatever. Mm-hmm. Some and kind of training, obviously. Dioza in the M cap again. It looks like, but it looks like slightly different, also. Yeah. Okay. At this point, like I watch the trailers and I'm like, all right, just give it to me. Whatever happens, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm comforting myself in the fact that this is like very apparently a flashback episode for the past three months. Like three months or whatever. Oh yeah, we um, didn't see any Clark in the uh, again. Yeah, because I keep getting nervous that they're gonna kill Dioza, and if this is a flashback, it can't happen next week. So yeah, because like the name, the flock is like clearly learning all about the Bardo or the um yeah the disciples and everything. The disciples so, and the that's like what they are people from before on Bardo, and I'm sure it also refers to like Shade Hedda getting more power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. If you are so inclined, write us a review on Apple Podcasts or any of your other podcast apps. We would really appreciate that. We also have a survey. It's just perpetually open and um, we would love to hear from you um, some things that you like about the podcast or some things that you think we could work on. Um, yeah, either way, we'd love to hear from you. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too. It is... Uh, excellent chaos and garbage and we love it so much Mm -hmm. it's so fun if you're a fan of lost we like talk about that show too we have a spoiler free podcast that is doing the first two um seasons so far so if you haven't seen it before um you can watch along with us and i would love that if you're a fan of star trek we like to talk about that show too uh we have a season one uh podcast for 
the first season of Picard. Um, and we have a roundtable, and Brittany and I are planning some other things for that. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. We have done all of season one, and we are taking up all of 2020 to do season two, um, 2021 for season three, and hopefully we have some season four by then. Please. <laughs> You can follow the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, mostly Twitter, uh, but Robin does make gifts of our favorite line awards on Tumblr, so please go give her some love. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because, ooh, it's expensive. It's expensive. From, for $1 a month, you get early access to all of our podcasts, and for $5 a month, you get 10% off at choppylux.com. If you don't want to help us out on Patreon, just checking out choppylux.com. All those links are in the description. Um, you can help us out monetarily and get something really cool out of it. So definitely go and check that out. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Sam Casey's, which is S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-S. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. Our next episode is episode 709. It's called The Flock. Um, Callie referred to the disciples as Cadigan's flock this episode. Um, you know, the whole shepherd sheep type of thing is mm-hmm. happening here. And um, yeah, that's that. That's it. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye.